Hey everyone, and welcome to a Plain Accounts Weekly Podcast. I'm Alicia McClintock, back after a week off, here with my regular co-host, Ben Kramer. How are you, Ben? Doing well. I had to put up with Danny last week. It's kind of rough. Glad you're back. We had a great conversation. Oh, he's, he's, he's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> he is, yeah. Yeah, and um, and is uh, so much a part of the A Plain Account community, yes. but often doesn't make a cameo on the podcast. So yeah. fun for our listeners to hear from him last week. Yeah, it, and just to add to that, he does so much of the technical work to make the sites run well and always updating, always upgrading. And so a lot of shout out to, to Danny for a lot of the behind the scenes work that he does. Uh, and how was your, how's your trip? Was it refreshing? So good. So for those of our listeners who don't know, I was, um, I was away from my current local ministry assignment to be with my um, previous district for my rescheduled ordination. I was meant to be ordained last year, mm. the year of our Lord 2020, <laughs> where, <laughs> um, where all plans were thrown out the window, canceled and postponed. So um, it's been a long time coming and it was really wonderful to celebrate my ordination with the Um, pastors and mentors who have poured into me, who have platformed my voice, who have given me opportunities to serve, um, all of that. So that, like, that was a gift. Uh, We had the service outside with, um, yeah, the the sun setting under oak trees. It was lovely. It was was not what I had expected ordination to be um, pre-pandemic life, but it was a beautiful gift in its own way. yeah, and then I was able to build in some like time off the grid just for retreat and prayer and reflection, and it was much needed. So yeah. I'm coming back to ministry feeling refreshed and uh, more like myself with a renewed, a renewed sense of my own calling. So wow. that, that feels like a, a great gift. Yeah, deeply grateful for such a, a powerful pastor and sister to be ordained into the ministry just such a gift to the kingdom uh so just congratulations that's amazing (laughs) thank you yeah so and a gift to be able to step away from some of these regular responsibilities and know that they are in capable hands yeah (laughs) so um well speaking of calling and um and ministry life our texts lately um, have really focused on this life with God um, and what it means to be called by Christ, to be chosen by Christ. And, um, and that is uh, where we find ourselves um, in, in these past few chapters where we've talked about the vine and the branches, where we've talked about um, abiding with Christ, about Christ's selection and choosing of disciples and our text for this week heads more into this farewell discourse in John uh, where Jesus is praying for his disciples. Um, I'm going to read the text from the NRSV today. I have uh, the lectionary gospel John 17 6 through 19. So let us read the word of the Lord. Jesus says, I have made your name known to those whom you gave me from the world. They were yours and you gave them to me and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything you have given me is from you. 
for the words that you gave me, I have given to them and they have received them and know in truth that I came from you and they have believed that you sent me. I am asking on their behalf. I'm not asking on behalf of the world, but on behalf of those whom you gave me because they are yours. All mine are yours and yours are mine and I have been glorified in them. And now I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world and I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them in your name that you have given me so that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them, I protected them in your name that you have given me. I guarded them and not one of them was lost except the one destined to be lost so that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I'm coming to you and I speak these things in the world so that they may have my joy made complete in themselves. I have given them your word and the world has hated them because they do not belong to the world just as I do not belong to the world. I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, but I ask you to protect them from the evil one. They do not belong to the world just as I do not belong to the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you have sent me into the world, so have I sent them into the world. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself so that they also may be sanctified in truth. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Whew. Yeah. Y'all, <laughs> y'all know that I struggle with some of this like really esoteric language in, in John. And then especially here where we're listening in to a prayer, a pastoral mm. prayer. Um, some call it Jesus's high priestly prayer. Um, so we're, so we're listening in on, um, a conversation that's imbued with poetic language. And so that, that makes it, uh, a little bit difficult to, um, to begin to unravel or un untangle, um, as all of these thoughts and feelings and hopes and prayers flow from Jesus to the father. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, I think what it's difficult for me as well until I, I try to zoom out and it, this has been helpful for, for me to kind of hold on to as I read passages like this from John is that John seems to be at, from the beginning of his gospel show the con connectedness, like the connected reality of God then the connected reality of, of creation to God, then the connected reality of humanity to God. But then John, there's this counterbalance to John's perspective of all created things is that there are things that are counter to God as well. There are things that are not connected and don't desire to be connected to God. And so th then we get this language of, of world as well. And so yes. this invitation to the gospel is invitation into that oneness of God, that the word was in the beginning and that oneness has been forever. And you are invited into that because of Christ. But then there's this counter reality that is opposed yes. to that. And I think that would be good to distinguish. Um, yes, totally, totally. So let's talk a bit about this world piece because mm -hmm. it's used in several ways to mean different things in the gospel of John, right? We're reminded in the beginning of the gospel that in, 
in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and in him all things were made. So there's world in the sense of creation, right? Like everything that has come forth from God that is good and beautiful and true. Um, that, and, and John also tells us that God so deeply loved the world, creation, all of creation, that God came to us as God's own self. God wrapped in skin and bones in Jesus Christ, the word made flesh incarnate, God with us. Um, because God loves all that God has made. Um, and so we have this sense of the world of creation. Um, but we also have like, like uh, this counter to the world, everything that is opposite of that good, true, beautiful creation that mm -hmm. from that flows from the heart of God. And that is the world that we might call empire, yeah. right? Uh, this this is this is what what is contrary to the good creation of God, right? So when Jesus says, I do not give as the world gives, what he means is I do not give as the empire gives with strings attached expecting to own you, right? Uh, when, so when Jesus says, I, I am not a king of this world or my kingdom is not of this world, he's saying my reign is not like any of the empires you have ever known right? Mm -hmm. And when Jesus says we do not belong to the world, he's saying we do not belong to the empire. We, we are not like any of these other powers and principalities. We belong to the good, true, beautiful creation of God, mm -hmm. God's reign of light and love and peace and justice, right? Because, because that, that's the truth, like in, again, to use the language that John has set from the foundation, um, in Christ, all things were made. They mm -hmm. they live and move and have their being. So of course we belong to the world creation because all things have flown from the goodness of God, right? So of course we belong to creation. Of course we belong to each other. Of course we belong to this human community. Of course we belong to the place where we have been placed, right? So that's not what Jesus is saying when he says you do not belong to the world. As Jesus has shown us over and over again in, in how he teaches us, love your neighbor, love your enemies. Mm -hmm. Of course, we belong to them. We are our brother's keeper, our sister's keeper. So if so, Jesus is not saying we don't belong to the created world, the created universe in which we find our being. God holds all of that together. Mm -hmm. The world that we do not belong to is the world of empire. Yeah. So so every time we read this text and we read like, I'm not of the world, they're not of the world, they're but like sub-empire mm -hmm. there. And that adds, I think, some clarity to what Jesus is saying. I got a little preachy there. Thanks no, for letting me run away. <laughs> no, it's so, it's so helpful. Honestly, it makes those verses come more to life for me because being raised in a tradition where the world was, you know, kind of defined as secularism, like, oh, that's, mm -hmm. that's the, that's the thought of the world, or that's the, um, that's the, truth of of man you know that that statement gets tossed around quite a bit but when you sub empire into that it's a very real tangible like you see that with babylon the bible even does this with babylon yeah. assyria egypt um rome, rome in the book of revelation so like empire has this very tactile real uh reality that you can actually grasp hold of and then see that mirrored in the real world today, like systems that oppress uh, people who are 
not able to provide just the basic essentials of life where ever humanity is not dignified or valued, there is empire. Um, and so it really makes these texts come, come to life for me. I, I think what it then makes me ask is what then, how are we to frame this protection of, from the evil one? Mm-hmm. You know, if, if we're making this, you know, substitution for empire, understanding that that's what the text is pointing to, and the evil one, um, I think maybe takes on a, um, a more needed frame for us. Right. As, as we come to understand God's good, beautiful truth, um, everything good that God has created, and, and what is counter to that is the empire. The evil one is everyone from Pharaoh to Caesar, right? And, yeah. and like, that, at least that's how the scriptures talk about that. Um, when when there, there are these systems of oppression and and the figurehead of those systems it's not just about pharaoh it's not just about caesar it's Mm -hmm. about the whole system that has birthed them and that they control and command um but it's also about these forces of evil and death in the world everything that is contrary to god's good true beautiful life mm-hmm. um the the joy of the lord that's mentioned in our text or the abundant life that jesus has come yeah. to, to offer everything contrary to that is from the evil mm-hmm. one mm-hmm. <laughs> and i am like not from a tradition or like church experience that talk yeah. a lot about the the tempter the evil one Mm -hmm. the satan situation (laughs) that's like that's a growth edge of my own spirituality um that that i like that i confess to you to our listeners like like that's that's something that's that's outside of my personal spiritual practice and tradition um so i won't attempt to to offer something that like that I can't speak sure clearly or faithfully about um but but I, I guess what I'm trying to say is that our scriptures do always point to who God is what God is about and who mm-hmm. we are called to be as God's people yeah. and that there is also some contrary forces at work yes um, yes e- evil death oppression, injustice, and then the very concrete actors of those, Mm -hmm. right? And so, so our, our scriptural, um, stories and narrative threads are kind of always pointing to empire and the heads of empire, but, but we, we also know that there are, there are millions of mini empires Mm -hmm. in our, in our own small circle, Right. right? Um, that, that Pharaoh and Caesar have many faces. Yeah. Well, that, that's, I think that's really powerful because our systems that we build within the greater empires, let's say just North America, since that's our context, tra- traditions or people groups, denominations, they can take, they have this all, always ever present choice. Will we reflect the empires of the world or will we reflect the incoming in breaking kingdom of, the, of God? Um, I, I, I love your, your perspective of the evil one because it, it makes me think about 
um, the temptations that the devil presented to Christ. What do they revolve around? One is hoarding and greed of turning stones into bread so that, you know, Jesus can satiate and meet his present needs by hoarding the bread like Israel was tempted in the desert before. It is testing God by throwing himself down recklessly, putting himself at the center of the mission of God in the world rather than being other focused. And then finally, with removing all the punches, the devil tempts him with kingship or rulership over all the kingdoms, the empires of the world. And so yeah. it's, it's very much those are the constant temptations for the people of God to hoard resources, to make ourselves the center of God's mission, to be, to grasp for the powers that the empires just wield recklessly. That is the constant temptation of God's people. Yes, absolutely. And then I think another uh, helpful uh, companion text would be the book of Job, right? Mm -hmm. The, the, uh, the work of the evil one in that story is to remove um, possessions, to remove yeah. relationships, to remove power and prestige and privilege. Yep. And, and yet that does not touch this faithful, committed relationship with God, right? There, there are things that belong to the empire, mm -hmm. to the evil one, and there are things that do not and cannot yes. And, and I think that's where Jesus's prayer comes from. As he says, these disciples, these people are mine. You have given them to me. I have protected them. I give them back to you, Father. And they are one wrapped up in our life together, mm -hmm. right? Because there, there, are, there are things that the empire cannot touch. Um, and I, I, things that the empire cannot touch as we are, are found rooted deeply in life with god mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. um, yeah oh that's so good uh, it, it it feels like this is such a fitting text for preparing for pentecost mm -hmm. because when jesus is ascending in the book of acts luke's account in the book of acts the disciples parrot this very nationalistic rhetoric about mm -hmm. you know israel being the center of of all of these things and jesus actually condemns that and tells them to go wait for the outcome pouring the spirit and what happens empire all of the things of empire are dismantled uh, in pentecost holy spirit fire you know yeah. and, and so then i think it what what that leads us to then is like what does this sanctification in the word and truth look like in that context when jesus is praying for that reality to happen among the disciples how does that bring fresh eyes to what sanctification in truth look like yeah i love that image of being burned away with fire mm -hmm. um i the the old testament lections in the fall were through uh the book of exodus and so that's where i was preaching mainly um and so then we get we get to this moment of the red sea where pharaoh and his armies are washed away mm -hmm. um and i i called my people to remember their baptism where where all of those other powers and forces of empire are washed away right when whenever we give ourselves over to um to to greed to um 
to fame, to power, to to whatever. Like whenever we whenever we give ourselves over to anything but the goodness, love, truth, and joy of God, then we have given ourselves over to empire. We have given ourselves mm-hmm. over to just another pharaoh. Right. But, but all of that is washed away in the waters of baptism. Um, so that we no longer belong to empire, but we, we belong to the reign of God. Um, and, and so, and so then, then like, like the, 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 the parallel, the, like another, another facet of that experience is this fire of Pentecost or baptism in the spirit as, as we talk about it, where like, again, all of those traces of empire are burned. Just as the Holy Spirit has burned away those other forces of empire in our life, we are now free to belong to life with God. We are, uh, we, we like Jesus has said, no longer belong to the forces of empire, but we are wrapped up, unified, one with the Trinity, mm-hmm. right? And and so we so we hold these these images that our Scripture provides us in kind of metaphorical ways of. Um, of washing away of being of being burned and purged this is echoes of the further um uh vine metaphor right yeah yeah it's cut away and then burned in the fire like it's gone forever Mm -hmm. there there is no coming back from there there is yeah there's no ways that that crops back up when we are deeply rooted right in in life with god right yeah Uh, Oh, that's so good. It makes me feel uh, just kind of a fresh understanding of uh, we read the um, epistle reading from first John last Sunday about uh, love or truth in action. And that has just really stuck with me because I, I really believe part of the sanctifying process of God is that it's very, it's very obvious that when we participate in systems of empire, we, when humanity participates in greed, greed shapes humanity. It, mm-hmm. it changes us, right? And and really, that's what sanctifying is. You are changed by the systems or by the reality that you participate with the most. Those habits shape and form you just as much as you have an impact on those habits. Um, and so Christ is inviting us into the life of the kingdom and sanctification is that participation in the life of God and the holiness of Christ. And that will shape our righteousness will then will shape our entire being. And that's what this abiding, this branching being tethered into the true vine looks like. And that's the, that will shape the fruit that we produce in the world. Yes, absolutely. And so like, as we have Pentecost in mind and Jesus's pastoral prayer here, we, we remember that in the fires of Pentecost, all of those traces of empire are burned away, mm. but that's not the end of the story. That's right. Only- of the story so they're going forward from that and from that place in our scriptures the new testament begins to say there is no jew or greek male or female slave or master like none of those things exist anymore or hold power over us anymore because we belong to a different reality right Right. all of those divisions of empire have been burned away and we belong to a new life Mm -hmm. yeah a life that is that is jesus's own joy jesus own abundant 
life here so that we we become this like joyful community of wandering strangers where like so, we're we don't we don't we don't belong to any of those forces of empire and it is and it is that continued abiding and that continued community and that continued acting in the name identity character of christ mm -hmm. that that continues to to form us that continues to keep us protected from the evil one mm -hmm. right yeah well that's really good so how are you gonna how are you gonna distill all this for your people <laughs> <laughs> the snarky answer is i'm not i'm actually <laughs> I'm actually moving through uh, the, I'm, I'm moving into like Old Testament passages. Oh, uh, awesome. Yeah. So, so the Old Testament lections in our post, in our post Easter season, our first and second Samuel. So I'm laying the groundwork mm -hmm. for some of that. So wow. <laughs> I, I like admit on air, I think several times a year that I'm like more of a lectionary inspired preacher. Sure, sure. <laughs> so anyway that's the snarky answer I'm not, actually, <laughs> I'm not actually preaching this text on Sunday but yeah I I think um I I think these these passages point us to the character of Christ mm -hmm. who loves us tenderly who who prays for us deeply who is a high priest who sympathizes with our weaknesses so yeah. I think, I think that's a foundation for me. And then the call is always deeper into this life with God, which holds, holds two seemingly contradictory, but fully interconnected stances. There's this contemplative life of, of prayer. There's this posture of surrendering to the abundant love of God to to the joy of the Lord, right? Mm -hmm. but there is also this like deeply active stance that continues to stand against all things that are of the empire, right? Yeah. In in the in the name of Christ, right? That continues to stand for creation in in which God holds all things together and to stand against empire that is actively acting against the the life and wholeness and flourishing of creation. Mm -hmm right mm -hmm. so try, like trying to hold those hold those together but always i think coming to <laughs> to beat the metaphor to death always rooted in christ yeah yeah that's so good i think that's kind of the direction that i'll be taking as well because this this time in between times as cliche as it sounds it's it's still difficult for the for the human heart to try to make sense of this. Well, Christ has ascended. We're waiting for Christ to return. Yes, we have the Holy Spirit, but how, how can we participate in our faith in a very real way? And I, and I think this language of, of empire, this idea of the spirit sanctifying work to really get engaged in the world around us in, in pursuit of sanctification in righteousness, I think can really help motivate people to uh to get engaged with the with the holy spirit maybe in a way that they haven't thought of before because usually it's between just passive waiting and protection you know mm -hmm. until the kingdom comes or um just kind of rejecting it altogether as nonsense you know that this isn't real there's not a, a real thing to participate with but this middle way i think is is going to be, going to be really helpful yeah yeah i i also hope that like that our people remember that prayer is powerful mm -hmm. um, that that Jesus doesn't pray out of like roteness right. but 
but th- this is clearly like deeply important to to Jesus and mm-hmm. and means something and is effective in yeah. in some tangible ways that I can't always explain or or talk about right in in a clear way. Um, so yeah, I I guess I'm I'm always hoping that that as we worship together, people hear that God loves them. Mm-hmm. And, and this is, I think, one really like tangible, yeah. concrete expression of that, that Jesus prays for us. Mm-hmm. Um, not, yeah. not just the, not just the, like the disciples that he lived with and ministered with, but he's praying for all of us yeah. and all, and, and all of us to come, right. All yeah. disciples. Come. Amen. Well, this has been a great conversation. Yeah. Always. Uh, a joy to open the scriptures and see what the Lord is saying to us and to our communities. So um, to all of our listeners, we pray that this has been um, helpful and energizing for you. We'd love to hear how you're bringing the word of the Lord to your people this week, um, how you're approaching Pentecost um, and the seasons after. Let us know. Chime in on our Facebook discussion page. Follow us on all the socials. We love to hear from you. That's, we do this um, because we care deeply about the community of pastors who are bringing, um, bringing the word. Mm-hmm. So Chime in, let us know how things are going uh, so that we can continue to make this a helpful resource for you. And um, until next week, peace out, preach boldly. Bye.